Trigger warning, listener discretion is advised. Dear listeners, before we proceed with our podcast tonight, we want to provide a trigger warning. This episode contains adult content and sensitive discussions about topics such as murder, sexual abuse, and other heinous acts. We understand that these subjects may be distressing to some individuals. If you feel uncomfortable or emotionally impacted by such content, we urge you to prioritize your well-being. It's okay to take a break from the episode or skip it altogether. Your mental and emotional health are of utmost importance to us. If you do decide to continue listening, please be aware that the discussions may evoke strong emotions. We encourage you to reach out to friends, family, or professional support if you need someone to talk to after listening. Thank you for your understanding and we appreciate your continued support. So tell me about this this road that goes up the hill. What kind of road is it? It was it was like a dirt road. Okay. It was like dirt. The grass was growing in the middle between two tracks. When I left her up in the in that little road up there, on the side of that little road she was like partially concealed by the vegetation. And I left her there. Right there. Born on June 7, 1940, in Reynolds, Georgia, Samuel Little's early life was marred by hardship. He claimed his mother was a prostitute, and shortly after his birth, his family relocated to Lorain, Ohio. Raised mainly by his grandmother, Little's upbringing was far from ordinary. His struggles with discipline and academic achievement at Hawthorne Junior High School foreshadowed the troubled path he would later tread. In 1956, at the young age of 16, the law caught up with him as he was convicted of breaking and entering in Omaha, Nebraska. This marked his first encounter with the criminal justice system, leading him to spend time in a juvenile institution. As he transitioned into adulthood, his journey took him to Florida where he worked odd jobs including as a cemetery worker and ambulance attendant. However, his newfound life did little to quell his penchant for trouble. Little's criminal record expanded across eight states, a laundry list of offenses that included DUIs, fraud, shoplifting, solicitation, armed robbery, aggravated assault, and even rape. Behind bars, he turned to boxing, adopting the moniker of a former prize fighter. Yet his brushes with the law only escalated. In 1961, Little was sentenced to prison for breaking into a furniture store in Lorraine. He was released in 1964, but by 1975, he had been arrested an astonishing 26 times in 11 states for a wide array of crimes, from theft and assault to attempted rape and attacks on government officials. The early 1980s marked a turning point in Little's life. He was arrested in Pascagoula, Mississippi and charged with the murder of 22-year-old Melinda Rose LaPree. A grand jury, however, did not indict him for the crime. Yet, as investigations continued, he was transferred to Florida to stand trial for the murder of 26-year-old Patricia Ann Mount. Although witnesses identified him as being with Mount before her disappearance, doubts in witness testimonies led to his acquittal in January of 84. At this point in time, the West Coast became his new domain, with California witnessing a wave of violence. 
Little's arrest for the kidnapping, beating, and strangling of 22-year-old Lori Barros in October of 1984 marked a horrifying episode. Just a month later, he was found with another unconscious, beaten, and strangled woman in the back of his car. These crimes earned him only two and a half years in prison. Released in February 1987, Little resumed his dark deeds in Los Angeles, committing over 10 additional murders. And at this point, Little seems to have fallen off of law enforcement's radar, but he was far from finished with his sinister spree. What we know about the years that followed, we know from Samuel Little's own confessions. We know that he went on to kill many, many more women, a reign of terror that finally came to a halt in 2012 when he was apprehended in Louisville, Kentucky on a narcotics charge. The trail of evidence led authorities to establish his involvement in multiple murders. Now I could try to eloquently piece together some of the stories of some of these heinous murders, but Samuel Little can tell him much better. He was there. And these are a few of his confessions. She was pretty, a light-skinned, brown, honey-colored kid. And she was about five, she was about tall, she was tall for a woman. Mm -hmm. About five, eight, five, nine. And beautiful shape. And she's uh, friendly. And how much do you think she weighed? Uh, she would have had a beautiful body. And Audrey Nelson Everett. We all put together. And uh, how old do you think she was? She was about 30. Okay. And she's a black female. Yeah. And tell me where you met her. I met her in, in a, a, a nightclub in New Orleans. Her and her sister was two She had her two sisters. Her and her, two, her, her youngest sister was having a birthday party. Her sister was dancing with this guy on the floor. And when I come in, she, the girl that I was with offered me to dance with me. And while we were dancing, she says, uh, you, want, you want to go riding after this, you know, after this party's over? We walked outside and she looked and seen my car at Lincoln. She said, ooh, you know, that's a beautiful car too. So she had arm in arm, walking to the car, we got in, stopped at the gas station. We were on the Highway 10 and uh, going toward Slidell. I seen the sign that said Little Woods. Mm -hmm. So I cut off, I took off the exit, went, and that sure enough was the road leading into the woods. <laughs> and we went in and parked. So we finally got to where we were going, and it was by uh, a bayou, a river, a little water thing, and the big, uh, they had a machine out there in that little river. Dredging? Dredging. Okay. I grabbed it by the legs and pulled it to the water. Mm -hmm. That's the only one that I ever killed by drowning. Describe the location where I, she's left. Okay, I left her with her head still there in the water. Half her body in the underwater and the thighs and legs on the bank. Tell me about Mary Ann. She's what you nowadays they call a transgender. She's a black male dressed up as a female. 
Okay. How tall is, is she? Marianne's about five, seven, seven, five, six. She weighed about 135. Okay. One, maybe 140. And how old do you think she was? She was 19. Okay. And where was she from? No, I'm Miami, down in Liberty City. Okay. And did she, um, you mentioned before she had a boyfriend, or she talked about a boyfriend? Named Wes. Wes? Yeah, yeah. And tell me about where you met her at. I've seen her down at DeGuar on 17th Avenue, and she had on a short cream miniskirt. Mm -hmm. Cream and red. So then this opportunity popped up mm -hmm. to take her to the store. Right. Instead of me bringing her back to the apartment, I went down to 27th Street. That's going down to uh, Fort Lauderdale, mm -hmm. called the uh, Alligator Alley. It, it turns into, it runs into Alligator Alley. Right. But the further out you get, the further you get out of Miami, right. you, you got vegetation. Yeah. Now, how far outside of Miami did you work? About, it wasn't too far out of Miami, right okay. there. I was in my stepdad's car, Pontiac Lee Mans. Now, where'd you take her to? Continue down 27. Mm -hmm. Got back on 27. Going outside of Miami. Okay. Miami. Going away from Miami. Going away from Miami. We yeah. got down past the, uh, past the, let's say, limits. So I continued on toward Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And I seen a road going off the main road back into the vegetation mm -hmm. on the left side. So I got out of the car. Pulled her out and drug her into the ropes back there and pulled her deeper into the, there's a path, a little path was running somewhere, I don't know where it led it to, but it was running deeper into the undergrowth. Mm -hmm. it, it's like uh, Everglades like that. And we ran into uh, uh, some water running. And, but before we got to the water, the earth was mushy. I turned loose, and she fell into it face down. And how far outside of Miami do you think you were? About a mile, two miles. Uh, what year did Mary Ann occur? Uh, 72. Okay, 1972. As investigations unfolded, the scope of Little's crimes expanded exponentially. In 2013, he faced charges related to three dozen murders committed in the 1980s. The case of Melinda Rose Laprie was reopened, and in total, Little was suspected in a staggering 93 murders across various states. The trial that followed in September 2014 brought forward DNA evidence and testimonies from victims who had survived his attacks. Little was found guilty and sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole, and he maintained his innocence even on the day of the verdict. However, the layers of his depravity continued to unravel. North Little Rock. Tell me what that girl looked like. Oh man, I loved her. I forget her name. Oh wait, I think it was Ruth. Okay. She was a heavy set, big old yellow gal. And had buck teeth. <laughs> it had a gap between the teeth everywhere. And she, she was like a honey colored skin. And she had, like her hair was not really long. It was, How tall do you think she was? She was about five, 
seven. How much do you think she weighed? She weighed about close to, to 200, about 170. Pretty, pretty big girl. Yeah. Now where did you meet her at? Okay, down in the crack house. I was, they heard about six other girls were sitting on the porch doing some crack in there. I stopped to go in there. I seen the girl, that's why I stopped. We stayed together two days or more. I think about three days. We was going shoplifting. We went to Sears. We went to uh, Coors, and that's where I got busted. Mm -hmm. They took me to jail, and she went and stayed in the car. And the manager of Kroger's, got, I guess he got tired of her laying on his property in, in that car. He called the, the station where I was at in North, uh, North Arkansas to drop the charges. Mm -hmm. So he can come down and get this gal and car out of him. They cut me loose. So we was headed toward with that place where Walmart's uh, an original store bent. I whipped off the road and back into that little woods. It was a cornfield back there. I pulled through it and on the other side of the cornfield was a trash pile. I parked the car facing out where I could see anybody coming in. So I, I pulled her out of the car. She's too big for me to carry, carry her. So I just pulled out of the car and laid on that trash that was lit there. So was it like a cornstalk pile or was it? Yeah, a bunch of cornstalks. What could you see from there? Uh, I could see the highway mm -hmm. and uh, in the woods is that way. But it's right outside of Little Rock. I, I was about 10 miles from it. From North Little Rock, you think 10 miles? Yeah, it was about 10 miles. Okay. In subsequent years, Little confessed to numerous other murders each revelation casting a more sinister shadow over his already gruesome legacy. Las Vegas, describe the Las Vegas victim. That was in 93. Okay. I bought a uh, Eldorado. What color Eldorado? It was a yellow. Okay. Oh, yellow Cadillac Eldorado. Yep. All right, what year? 78. Okay. Well, tell me about this girl. What does she look like? She was kind of thin, dark skin, about 40 years old, she's out there hustling. I think she was a drug addict because she wouldn't have been out there. How tall was she? She was about five, 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 three. And how she much do you think she weighed? She weighed about 110, 120. Okay. What about her did you know? The boy came, she left with her son. And she called him over there. And he came over, hey, hey, he shook my hand and everything, yeah. Now how old was he? He was about 20 or about 19, 20. Okay, black male or? Black male. And where were you at when you met her? It was on Owens Avenue. Okay. Owens, that's down in the black section. Owens and Jackson. Where do you eventually take her, her body to? I was, I was headed toward California. Mm -hmm. So as I drove out of Las Vegas, I, didn't, I seen a motel and a road leading up to the motel. And I, there's a lot of bushes and brushes us beside the road before he got to that motel. That's where I dropped, pulled up her body out and rolled it down there. And I heard a secondary roll of noise 
that meant she was still rolling. So you basically roll her into a pretty big ditch that's got a bunch of... Well, it wasn't a ditch, it was a slope. Okay. That didn't look like a slope because of the vegetation had grown up out of the slope right. and looked like you know it was you, you would think that the road would just be flat. But actually the road was going down a slope like. And that's why she rolled. So this is a slope right off the road? Yeah. Okay. And tell me about how far do you think you were outside of Las Vegas? The road I was on was going towards Searchlight. So whatever the name of that road is, that's the road I was on. How far outside of Las Vegas do you think you were? Were you in Las Vegas? Or? About, I was still in Las Vegas, yeah. Okay. But I was on the very outskirts. All right. The very outskirts. There was a couple of motels I remember, gas station and everything. It was scattered, da, 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 because it was getting thin population as you go further out. Mm -hmm. His confessions span decades and states painting a horrifying picture of his relentless spree of violence. The victim's stories emerged, woven with tragedy and brutality. Little's dark path ultimately led to his incarceration, but not before inflicting immeasurable pain and loss upon countless lives. As we explore the details of his crimes, we must remember the victims and their stories, shedding light on the darkness that one man wrought. And the information you have probably been waiting for, he strangled them. His MO was to strangle women that he had met, typically in his car, in a secluded area. This was because many of the women that he met were prostitutes and oftentimes drugs and alcohol were involved. And many times he seemed to actually know these women for more than just, you know, a few minutes, uh, an hour, you know, a brief encounter. And there were at least a few occasions where he had sex with his victims' lifeless bodies. And he tells all of these stories in such a jovial manner. It's just baffling. So a few things that stand out about this is, uh, first of all, the number, right? 93 people. Uh, it's staggering. And he is linked to so many people in the 70s that, that go on unnamed. And I think that's one of the things that really stands out is it's just there's so many forgotten people in the world. When you look at his list, you see unnamed black female over and over again. You occasionally see unnamed Hispanic female and you'll occasionally see unnamed white female. But the number of unnamed black females, age unknown, age unknown, approximately 24, approximately 22 or 23, approximately 50 they, they really don't know there's a few people with names listed you know you go back in the 80s just to pick a random one we have francis campbell oh, she was about 23 and little is suspected of asking her for a date near a bar her body was discovered though a year later on top of a pile of debris from a construction on the local interstate Police were able to ultimately match Little's description of Campbell to a missing persons case. And uh, he was indicted on this in 2019. So this is one of the later uh, situations where he confessed after obviously claiming his innocence all the way up to the day of the verdict. There's uh, people that spent a long time as Jane Doe until 
DNA and confessions finally matched them up uh, as late as 2020. It's just a staggering number of people that are actually not necessarily all confirmed so many suspected murders. You know, and, and when you first start telling the story and you see it in, in the order that the police saw it, it appears like most of his murder started in the 80s and stuff, but that is just not the reality. Uh, according to him, they go back to 1971 at least. Mary Jo Brosley uh, was killed on New Year's Eve 1971 in Homestead, Florida. She was a white female, approximately 33, and little provided a sketch of this victim. The other thing that stands out is when you listen to his sound bites, it's almost uh, it's the same you and I tell a funny little anecdote from hanging out with our friends or chilling with the family or when we were kids or when one of our kids or something like that did something like he just tells the story like they're funny little stories to be told he doesn't really tell the story the way you would expect somebody who was talking about murder to tell any story he also likes to consistently say things like how he loved them or they were very pretty or they were this and obviously that conflicts uh, with murdering people but again he thinks of these things a little more fondly like most of us think of childhood memories or something like that and if he's to be believed he remembers a lot about these people he remembers a lot of names he remembers a lot of locations he's able to provide a lot of different sketches and if you go out online you can find a whole bunch of sketches of people He's just this, this library, this, this encyclopedia of, of murders, maybe as many as 93 of them. Beyond that, I think just how many crimes that he committed and was able to get back out again and to be free. I believe his first crime was in 1956 and then he pretty consistently stayed on the radar. Uh, 61 he was sentenced he was released in 64 but again 26 times in 11 states but it just constantly uh, let go released etc and then and the most baffling one is that they actually found him with, with all these suspicions of him doing these other things and, and going on trial for this crime that crime and the other they actually found him in the back of a car with a woman he still got out of jail after that. That's not the kind of thing. You know, just to play devil's advocate. If you're found in the back of a car one time with one unconscious woman. And in said circumstances, then maybe I can say right, this is a one-off and it happened one time. But when the said circumstances matches the MO of a lot of other circumstances you've been in with women, then... There might be something wrong there, and I just, I, I don't understand how, how people could look past that. It really just doesn't uh, make a lot of sense, but otherwise, I guess the final piece is that he did pass away. He did, he died on December 30th, 2020, but before he did that, he confessed to a couple of more murders, and they were both, I believe, in Florida. And one of them, another man had been wrongfully convicted of. The wrongfully convicted man was Jerry Frank Townsend, 
a man who had an IQ of 58 and ended up confessing to crimes he just did not commit. DNA evidence ultimately cleared him, but not before he served 22 years in prison. And there you have it, the haunting tale of Samuel Little and his dark journey through crime and tragedy. As we wrap up this episode, we want to invite you, our dedicated listeners, to be a part of the narrative. Your insights, thoughts, and perspectives are essential to fully unraveling the depths of these stories. We encourage you to join the conversation on Twitter at Podcast Heinous. That's at Podcast Heinous. Share your thoughts, theories, any extra details that you think deserve further exploration. There's always room to expand on the intricacies of these narratives. The story is far from over. Together, we continue to shed light on shadows and find the missing pieces that complete the puzzle. Thank you for joining us on this journey into the heart of true crime. Stay safe, stay curious, and stay tuned for more on our next episode.